you're listening to Orange Blaze, a Florida Trail podcast. Hey hikers, Misty here. I'm going to do an episode today that I probably should have done five years ago when I started this podcast, and it's how to hike the Florida Trail. Now, you're probably like, do we really need a how-to? And we may or may not really need a how-to, but I think there is still a lot of questions and a lot unknown about the Florida Trail. And, you know, I don't know, maybe you're just approaching the Florida Trail based on this podcast, so you just happen to find it while you're looking, you know, through your favorite podcatcher. But maybe you're having trouble finding information on the Florida Trail online. This is kind of a good place to help you find all of those sources. I would think that hopefully when you're Googling Florida Trail, all of those great places will come up, but maybe not. So I'm going to go back into my blog archives. Back in 2011, I originally wrote this post because, to be honest, there wasn't a lot out there, you know. There was White Blaze forums, which were really great for the Appalachian Trail, and there were some sub-forums for other trails, and social media was, you know, mostly Facebook at that point, and the Facebook groups didn't exist at that time, and we were really just left with trail journals and blog posts and, you know, whatever books that Sandra Friend had put out at that time, which were really great guidebooks, but, you know, you kind of want some of that first-hand knowledge from hikers, right? So I kind of put that blog post together and I know it got a lot of uh, hits and (laughs) comments for many years and it's tapered off definitely as Facebook groups became the norm and social media and Instagram really took over. It hasn't been nearly as popular, but I thought with a lot of things that have been going on that I've seen hikers coming to the Florida Trail from, uh, you know, maybe they've hiked several other long distance trails and they just have you know, maybe not the best attitude about the Florida Trail, or they didn't do a lot of research. And so they have a thought process when they get here. And it's not so great. So I would just thought it might be interesting to do this episode. So bear with me. I'm going to read through this blog post and add addendums as I go. And we'll go from there. Okay, so let's go. Way back when in 2011, when I wrote this, While there is a plethora of information out there about hiking the Appalachian Trail, I realize there isn't that much about the Florida Trail. Sure, there's the guidebook and other forums and some trail journals, but what about some of the logistics? You can ask a question on White Blaze about the AT and get an answer quickly. Heck, you don't even have to ask the question. Usually a quick search will bring up what you're looking for. And I was talking to my AT friend Murph, who was contemplating doing the Florida Trail this coming winter and told her I'd write something up for her. But then I realized that I should do a post on it for everyone else too. So what helped Chris and I to begin with the FT was that we were already familiar with it since we had lived in Florida for eight years. We had done some sections and so we already knew some of what to expect. We weren't flying blind like on the AT. The other good thing was that we had already done one long distance trail so we knew how to pack, how to plan, and what exactly to do in the wild. So this little guide isn't the be-all, end-all guide. It's what we did and what worked well for us. If you have any particular questions, you can feel free to drop me an email, orangeblazepodcast at (laughs) gmail.com. So before you go on your hike, you definitely need to contact the Florida Trail Association. They will send you a thru-hiker packet with information on the hike, including forms that are required to be filled out for the Seminole Indian Reservation, as well as Eglin Air Force Base. And I know some of that has changed over the years, so definitely keep up to tabs on that, especially with the pandemic. Seminole Reservation has different closures and requirements and a little bit of different things now, so 
definitely contact the Florida Trail Association before you begin your hike to get all of that up-to-date information. Okay, continuing on. I also suggest buying the Florida Trail Maps and Guidebook. And this isn't like the AT where the guidebook is all you need. The maps are vital to figure out some turns and roadwalk sections that might be inadequately blazed. And of course, since I wrote that, there has also been an app that's been developed. People have smartphones. It's a little more friendly to use that than just the maps in the guidebook. I would still honestly say get the maps in the guidebook. I think they're very helpful telling you what's in town stops too. That's just my opinion. So before I begin, there are three things you just have to get in your head and accept as part of the hike. Number one, roadwalks. They are there and inevitable until the trail is moved off of them. Number two, water crossings. So the two more notorious sections, Big Cypress and Apalachicola, will involve wading in water from a few inches to knee deep in some areas. And some spots are short and some spots aren't. And also the trail can flood after rain. And I'll elaborate more on that below. Number three, flatland. A lot of folks are used to hiking in mountains. So you will have to look at views and vistas of Florida much differently. There are some rolling sections in the north in the Panhandle, but you know, nothing of consequence. There's no Mount Katahdin here. You should accept that Florida is flat and enjoy it for what it is. It's a nice piece of subtropical land that houses quite a few areas of unique habitat that you won't find anywhere else. So here's what else you should know. Camping. There are very few shelters along the trail, so few that I can count them on one hand. If you've done the AT and slept in shelters most of the time, you'll need to find another alternative for this trail. A hammock will work, but there are some stretches along Lovies and Lake Okeechobee where there aren't any trees to hang your hammock, so you might sleep on the ground with a tarp instead. Or just pack a tent. Florida is humid, and so condensation will plague your tent and shelter. We had to take hours out at lunch daily to dry out, and if we forgot, we'd have to set it up as soon as we got to camp and hope it was dry by the time we wanted to get in it. A three-season tent should work just fine. As for camping locations, uh, for the most part, there are very few like designated campsites. Even there, if there is a designated campsite, you may not want to stay at them due to where your mileage puts you, so stealthing is always an option except in areas you traverse owned by the U.S. military or the Seminole Reservation. Don't risk it. Just camp where you're supposed to or get through that area the day to camp elsewhere. There are also stretches of roadwalks that do not provide camping access. So unless you are hiking with support, more than likely you're going to need to do some tricky stealthing or asking permission to camp behind a store or something like that. You know, these aren't five and 10 mile stretches of roadwalks. They're like 30 mile stretches, uh, which will cause you to be in these types of situations. And some of them you might be able to maneuver around. The big one that we did not have the luck that hikers now have is at Blountstown to Econfina Creek. Now there's a Wilton Hilton and we did not have that luxury. So count your lucky stars you have that. We hiked that whole section in a day. I don't know, for some folks that's nothing, but you know, 30 miles is pretty rough, I think, on <laughs> for most people. So look at your map, you know, several days in advance, kind of plan out where you might end up. And you know, if you have a particular question on an area you want some tips on, you know, feel free to email me. There's plenty of people on the Facebook groups now that can tell you where to camp. But you know, I can't tell you what's safe or legal to places to stay, you know, that's your decision and liability. And you know, if a property owner or 
cop asks you to leave, you know, you should do it. And of course, there are rarely any privies on the trail, so dig a hole and follow Leave No Trace Ethics. So water. Okay, water to drink. Water is, for the most part, I think, pretty plentiful. In the south, you'll find it in cypress domes and sloughs, as well as in canals and Lake Okeechobee. Anything in peninsular Florida will come in the form of a pond, a small lake, river, or canal. You will need to filter or treat this water. It will also be tannin colored, like looking like really strong tea. It doesn't taste bad, and if it is in the hydration system of your pack, you just won't know any better. You know, I suggest using a filter for this water to get rid of some of the debris that may be in there, but you could also come across clear running tannin water and just use some drops instead. We carried both a filter and drops and switched to using drops when we started hitting springs up north. So, you know, send an extra filter cartridge and a mail drop to switch out, you know, halfway. Um, in general, we didn't have any problems finding water to drink, but if you're hiking in a dry year or an off season, it definitely could be trickier. And something else that's much better now is there is a lot more volunteers and trail angels who will leave water in the canal and lake sections for you so you don't have to pump that canal water, which, you know, might be looking okay-ish, but it's probably full of chemicals. So thank you guys for being out there. I really appreciate all the trail angels having that option these days and uh, that because we, we didn't have that. We did not have that. So water on the trail. Winter is the dry season for Florida. And if you don't know Florida, there are two seasons, wet and dry. And what's good about the dry season is that in general, you don't have to wade in water like you would in summer. Now, I say that in general because, of course, you're going to come across wet sections that haven't dried out totally. Um, so big cypress, you know, if you've done any research and everybody, you've listened to this podcast, you know about big cypress. And when we went through, it was it was mostly dry until the, that like eight mile section on the north end. That's pretty rough. But, you know, I've hiked that section in mid-spring and it's been bone dry and it's incredibly hard to find water in a cypress stone, if not non-existent. So just know <laughs> what season you're going. If you're hiking in October after a hurricane, it's, you're going to have a lot more water than you would three months later in January. And if it happens to rain, low spots are going to become soggy. Uh, so expect that in parts of the at Florida Trail. And, you know, you're going to come across little slushy sections after you've had miles of great <laughs> dry sections to walk on. And then you're going to have a slushy section that just happens to get your boots wet. And it's going to kind of make you grouchy for a little bit, but you'll get over it. A lot of times the trail maintainers will put boardwalks over there but sometimes they're not always there. So you do your best. If it's wet, just hike on through because you're going to get wet later. It doesn't matter. <laughs> and definitely if you're hiking along any kind of river or creek system, which up in North Florida, this is a lot more common along the Suwannee, there can just be flooding events and you're going to have to either hopefully be able to walk around that on a road. Sometimes you may have to you know, wade across a swollen creek or just wade it out a little bit until it goes down so you can get across. But water on the trail, if you're coming to the Florida Trail, expect water if you're hiking December, January, February, March. There's going to be some water on the trail no matter where you go. And it's just part of it. And it's just part of the experience. So I had an entire section on resupply. And I feel like I'm not going to cover that here because there is already, 
you can find that information on the Facebook groups or in the app and, and get a pretty good idea of that. Um, we mailed ourselves boxes only twice and we had a friend bring boxes to us in two places that was kind of hard to get otherwise we got resupplies in grocery stores or on a gas station or dollar general or something like that so i think supply is something that's just best to look online and things have changed a lot and routes especially in towns and i know there's been some closures of stores so i am gonna let i'm gonna leave that up to you guys to check out elsewhere okay Roadwalks. I think roadwalks is probably the most complained about part of the Florida Trail outside of water. And I mean, understandably so, but I, I want everybody to take a look back at every other long distance trail and think about the last 30, 40, 50 years and where those trails used to be. They, a lot of them had roadwalks. Some of them still have a lot of roadwalks. This Continental Divide Trail, PCD still has some roadwalks. Any of the other less developed trail systems have roadwalks. It is not just a Florida trail. And a lot of these issues are, go. a lot of the issue goes back to trail protection. The Appalachian Trail is the one that had the power of an eminent domain. And that is an extremely controversial subject. And... You know, there are proponents for that, including the founder of the Florida Trail. But there's a lot of uphill battles in getting that done. And, and it's just not something that's... We have too many different landowner issues. There would have to be a lot of rerouting on the Florida Trail. And obviously, I think in the next 20, 30 years, there's going to be a lot of changes to the Florida Trail. I think eventually something's going to happen. We're going to get more protection. And, and the, they are very trying very hard to get sections off the roads. Unfortunately, some areas just have landowners who are unwilling to negotiate and work with the FDA. So just please be cognizant of that when you're walking on the roads and do the best you can and understand that we, everybody knows it's a safety issue. Everybody knows that it sucks. Everybody knows you get blisters. The good thing is you can really walk like three, three and a half miles an hour. If you really want to run with your pack, I guess you could do that too. So they're a fact of life on the Florida Trail, you know, and I don't think we realized how much there was until we started looking on the maps. We kind of looked a little bit closer into certain areas and, you know, some of those roadwalks are on quiet roads, you know, through country, you know, farms and little houses and it's kind of peaceful. It's nice. And, and there's others that are on high speed traffic and you don't have any shoulder to walk on. You might have a grassy median that's sloped and it's cumbersome to walk and, it's not fun. I definitely recommend um, if you could put some sort of blaze orange on you, especially, you know, it's rec recommended for hunting areas. Wear that on roads because I guarantee those cars don't see you. We definitely had some close calls in a few areas. People passing and hey, hey, we're here. What are you guys doing? <laughs> Almost got hit. And if you're interested in particular areas to stealth camp on some of the roads, you know, please email me. I can give you a kind of a decent area of some places we stealth. But again, that's, that's, that's on you. <laughs> uh, the legalities of all of that. I was constantly looking while we were hiking on roads, where would be a good place to camp? Because again, this was, you know, 10, 12 years ago, you know, there wasn't the conversations out there that there is now about where to camp and people helping you out on some of these roadwalks that just does not exist. So I was looking and trying to get ideas of where to tell other people who were hiking 
where they might be able to camp. So in addition to roads, you're going to have levees and, and forest roads, you know, that maybe aren't taken into account as a total road mileage. So in the south, you've got all those levees after you leave the Seminole Reservation, and it's all crushed limestone, and you're out in the open, and it's not a trail per se. So that can be a beat down. And you're walking around Lake Okeechobee. Then there was a Lake Butler Forest. And I don't know if the trail still goes through there. I feel like it's been rerouted. I'm not up on all the reroutes right now. But Lake Butler Forest was horrible. Because it was through these logged pine forests. And they had these like trenches. It was terrible. And we ended up taking logging roads around to avoid some of that. It was just just horrible so just be patient we all know roadwalks suck we all get it it's nothing new it's always been there and they're doing their best so unless again you've got lots of money you have some you have some power you can leverage in congress for funding or eminent domain don't get too nasty about the complaining about the roads that's it all right so weather on the florida trail so, you know, Florida winters are typically mild. Um, it can get to near freezing or freeze, especially the further north you go. So I definitely recommend light winter clothing, you know, a fleece, a light down jacket. You know, if you know you. If you are a cold-blooded type person, you get cold and when it's 75 outside, bring the things that are going to keep you warm. If you're, you know, a man who sweats a lot and you know that you're okay down to like 25 degrees (laughs) with shorts then do that but you know in the south it's warmer if you're starting in the south if you're gonna by the time you get up north it's the north is basically like the deep south and so those cold fronts do come through in winter and they can drop temperatures as i'm recording this we just had you know a nice polar vortex come down and freezing the south in the 20s and the teens in some areas so if you're hiking you're starting your hike in december in the panhandle or january early january in the panhandle you're going to be subjected to some colder weather now you get to the panhandle in late february or early march it'll be a little bit different it'll start warming up it'll be definitely different so keep keep that in mind and you know it's a dry season in winter in florida Um, I would say that kind of changes a little bit when you go to the Panhandle because, again, that's the deep south. I think the rain situation is a little bit different up there. So you will want rain gear uh, for sure. I would definitely put some sunscreen in, especially for those levee walks in the south. The wind blowing, especially if you get a north wind from a front coming through, you're going to get chapped and some some sort of chopsticks great too <laughs> um and this just the sun beating down you're gonna want a hat but if you don't have a brim that covers your neck you're gonna want something on that and your arms that sort of thing um i know some folks do carry umbrellas they've brought that habit over from the pct and we'll use that on the road road walks as well all right gear i'm not a huge gear person but you know aside from t- typical gear you know tent cook stove utensils sleeping gear you know, I think you're going to need two pairs of shoes. You can make your camp shoes double as water shoes. If you can find the shoe to do that, that's great. Um, you might be walking in mud for several miles, especially in Big Cypress. So a good pair of shoes that can handle mud and water for long periods of time will definitely help. Fuel can be hard to come by 
in this area. We you know, followed USPS regulations and shipped the one canister that's allowed via ground delivery to our drops. But if you're doing alcohol stove, you should be able to find fuel at any gas station or grocery store. And if you're interested in hitching more, you can get to bigger towns like Walmart and the like to get your fuel. Definitely bring a hiking pole. I feel like even though Florida's flat, you know, I trip on my feet sometimes. Rocks are get hard. Sometimes it's just nice to take some pressure off your body and relieve it that way. It's just very helpful, especially and also keeping overgrown brush off you as you're hiking through. So trail life, like what is the Florida trail life in general like? Um, it's definitely different than the AT or busier long trails. So uh, when I wrote this, I said with only five to 20 through hikers a year. Um, and now I would say that's probably like 30 to 50 through hikers, but it's kind of varying because not everybody's reporting their hikes and not everybody joins those Florida trail groups, you know, and it depends on when you start your hike. If you're starting earlier, which I feel like there's a lot of people starting earlier and earlier, November, early December, and that did not used to be what happened. I don't know. I don't know what's up with that. That's just different, I feel like. Um, you can, if you start at kickoff now with everybody hiking at the kickoff in early January, you're going to run into a ton of people <laughs> for certain and trail families. And that's not, that was not our experience at all. Um, we started January 8th and, you know, eventually we caught up to the people who had started a week ahead of us by the time we got to Orlando, but it was a very, very, very quiet trail. We didn't see, we saw one southbound through hiker as we were getting into the Big Cypress Seminole Reservation and I believe that was it <laughs> until we caught up to other northbound hikers in Orlando. So you can go days without seeing people unless you're in a high use area, but you may be finding hunters or fishermen. And you know, if you're on a weekend, you might see some other day hikers, but really depending on when you're hiking depends on how busy it's going to be. And it was obviously very different for us in 2011. So showers, uh, since there's a lack of foot traffic, there's definitely not going to be an abundance of hostels or showering opportunities. So get used to being smellier than you might on the Appalachian Trail. So I think we went two weeks several times without a shower. And as I'm writing this, but it's not even a thing anymore for Florida Trail folks, is my favorite shower and unique uh, opportunity was Avon Park bombing range at the Fort Kissimmee campground. There's a solar shower there that was a great place to rinse off and we hadn't had a rinse off since we had left the Big Cypress Seminole Reservation when we stayed at the RV campground there. So that, that had been a, been a bit since we had had a shower. So that was nice. And then we didn't, if we hadn't have had that shower, we wouldn't have had one until we went to Orlando. So we took advantage of that. Um, other good shower opportunities are the 88 store in Ocala National Forest and at the time the Camel Lake Campground at Apalachicola National Forest. And you're going to have to check with each of those places to make sure they're still open. And obviously, you know, some towns have hotels and motels and you can get a room and shower there. So cell reception at this time when we hiked, we did not have a smartphone. We just had regular old, it wasn't a flip phone, but it was those old, you know, front facing phones that were tiny. And I feel like we had good cell reception pretty well for there, except for maybe the middle part of Big Cypress. And I think most people these days have a really good cell reception, even in the most remote places of the FT. 
I feel like maybe Apalachicola might be one of the places you might not have the best cell reception based on uh, my recent trip up there. So outfitters, places to buy gear. Um, now there's some REIs in Florida, which did not exist when we were there. We had to order a new tent from Travel Country in Orlando, which I'm going to Google and see if they're even still in existence because of REI here. Let's check. Okay, they are still in business. They're in Altamont Springs. So yeah, we called them up and had them mail us a new tent to White Springs. They were really helpful. We really appreciated that. But there's a Bass Pro in Fort Lauderdale. We actually, that's where we got our, some of our backpacking food to start. We popped in there when we were visiting our friends. There was a hunting outfitter in Lake Butler that had some like hunting gear and bug repellent. But at the time in 2011, there was not a lot of outfitters. And there's nothing really on trail, but there are some other towns. If like, if you need to order from REI and have it shipped to you or the travel country, um, definitely recommend checking those out, but there's no, <laughs> there's no cool outfitter on the trail. Now wildlife, you're definitely going to be in Florida blackberry territory for most heavily in Ocala national forest, but other parts of the panhandle and definitely down in big Cypress has bears. You're going to want to hang your food when you can, if you're able to, there's definitely areas you're not gonna be able to do that. We've actually had more trouble with ants than any other animal so that's another reason to hang food we actually had ants get into our pack in we were doing an overnight on the ocean of lake trail like the year before we were hiking on the appalachian trail we did an overnight on uh, that ocean of lake trail and the ants got in our pack then and ate through like bit holes in our baggies of food and yeah don't want to mess with fire ants they will ruin your food situation um especially if you're in the middle of nowhere. So if you can hang your food, definitely do that. There's going to be raccoons. There's wild hogs. I know a lot of people are afraid of the wild hogs. I'm not personally, you know, don't charge the ones with tusks. Try to avoid them. But, you know, if you see them, go around. And they're, they're I don't know. They're not as big of a deal. There are Florida panthers that roam the area. They're mostly going to be in southwest Florida. If you see one, they're going to be in Big Cypress or Seminole Reservation or potentially somewhere up around Lake Okeechobee. But honestly, there are very few that make it north of Lake Okeechobee and past the Caloosahatchee River. And you can Google this. There are there are some that go up there, but if you see a panther in North Florida, you probably saw a bobcat. <laughs> it does happen. There have been some up there, but there's not a sustainable population up there like there is in Southwest Florida. So if somebody tells you they saw a panther in Osceola National Forest or Plachicola, mm, you might want to think twice about believing them. <laughs> probably a bobcat. I'd say bugs are minimal on the trail this time of year. There's definitely some noceums and some mosquitoes. So I would care carry a bottle of bug spray you know this depends on how hot it is when you're starting and if any cold fronts have come through obviously but those are some things to keep in mind and I think that hits the high points for our hike and a good base of information for hiking on the Florida Trail and now I'm going to talk about some of the Facebook groups which will give you a lot more of the down and nitty-gritty information uh, Florida Trail Hikers, just type in Florida Trail Hikers into Facebook and that will come up and that would be for anybody. It's run by the Florida Trail um, 
it says Hikers Alliance, but they changed their name to FT Through Hike. And they are the, basically the folks who are the trail angels, the volunteers, the former hikers, current hikers who help hikers along on the trail. And they have two events. They have kickoff and they have Billy Goat Day. And Billy Goat Day is, if you've been around hiking long enough, you've probably heard of Billy Goat. He's a man in his 80s who comes down to Florida and he's got this extensive hiking career. And he comes down to Florida in winter to get away from winter and celebrate his birthday and hang out with some of his, you know, hiking friends. And so they've been getting, having a get together for him at the end of January since we were hiking, we actually had the opportunity to go, but it, we didn't, it wasn't called Billy Goat Day at that time. It was just Billy Goat's birthday, come celebrate him. I didn't know who he was. We didn't, we were hiking. We didn't go. Um, I kicked myself in then, and I think it was around the Super Bowl. So they were having a Super Bowl party and getting off trail. And honestly, we should have done it because we had terrible rain that ne- that day. And it would have been much better to, <laughs> to be off trail at that time. But um, so luckily I was able to go to an actual bigger building out day in 2020 before the pandemic brought everything to a close. And it's just a great event for hikers to get together in Central Florida. And if you're in that area, it's easy for hikers to, it's easy for trail angels to bring you to to there. Or you can honestly, you could hike a couple, I think it's a little bit off trail. You can hike through there and, and be at Billy Go Day. And the kickoff obviously is a great place to also meet people as well and get, get going on the trail. So yeah, that's the Florida Trail Hikers Group from FT Through Hike. Now, if you're a, every year they also put together a separate closed group just for that year's hikers. And um, it's a way for them to keep tabs of who's hiking, who needs help. They have a water cache spreadsheet, which helps them know like how much water they need to be putting out and, and that sort of thing. And so that like, there's an FT, I'm going to go back to my Facebook here. Uh, FT through hike 2023 Florida trail. It's a private group and they try to limit it to, you know, the folks who are either going to be helping those folks hiking or the actual folks hiking on the trail. And if you're really also interested, I would recommend swamp hikers group. You can Google that. And it's really just, it's an open group for everybody, uh, hiking on swamps in Florida. And it also gives you a well-rounded perspective of the nature in Florida, swamp hiking in general, and also meeting some of the other uh, hikers in, in Florida. Obviously, you should also go to the Florida Trail Association's website and check out their thru-hiker information and make sure you have the proper permits to hike through certain areas, get up-to-date information on closures and reroutes, and also join the Florida Trail Association, which I think you have to do to get the permits for some of these things. But it's also just good to give back to the trail you're hiking on and become a member of of that trail. Um, And hopefully you continue to keep that up after you've completed that hike. I think that that money and the just getting those magazines that get put out by the trail associations, whether it's FTA or the ATC or the PCTA or whomever, that's just I think beneficial if you've got the 25 to 50 bucks, whatever the membership cost is to, to pitch their way, especially because most of us go to these trails. We're never going to go back there necessarily and volunteer. 
and that's our way of giving back is, is putting in the money <laughs> where we can. Now, if you can volunteer while you're there, that's great. Maybe see if there's any trail maintenance going on nearby. Um, or if you happen to catch on some coming through and you've got a day or two that you can and spend doing that, I think it's a great way to give back to the trail and the trail community too. I would also go to Florida Hikes, Sander Friend, John Keatley. They put together a great website and books for the Florida Trail. Even if you don't carry the book, I think it's helpful in doing the research and the planning and giving some basic information on where you're hiking. Uh, plus, Sander just has like an amazing treasure trove of information on her website about not just hiking on the Florida Trail, but hiking in Florida in general. Just anything you want to know about hiking in Florida, floridahikes.com is where you want to go. Okay, well, I think this is probably long enough and it's a good synopsis of what you want to know about hiking the Florida Trail and beginning. You can obviously listen to all of the back episodes of the podcast and get a good sense of what a hike is like from the perspective of people who've already hiked it. But you obviously never know for sure what a hike is like until you actually hike it. And I hope this is, gives you a little more information to research the trail, maybe plan your own through hike in the coming years. And I will make sure I'll put this link to what the original post I had up, which will include more of those um, resupplies and that sort of thing. I am also going to include a, another link to LB Hikes, who was also on the podcast. He has a great write-up about his hike and basically a similar summary of what I did. And I think it's very helpful to, um, to future hikers as well. And so I'm going to put that on the show notes for the episode at orangeblaze.thegardenpathpodcast.com. So you can read through those as well. And all the other links to the Facebook groups, Florida Hikes, the FTA, all in one place, give you a good synopsis of how and the logistics of hiking the Florida Trail. And if you have any direct questions you want to send me, orangeblazepodcast at gmail.com or DM me at on orangeblazepodcast at Instagram or find me on Facebook as well. And I'll be glad to help you out where I can, point you in the right direction, give you the information from my perspective and, you know, help you where I can because I want to make the Florida Trail and the hike great for you. All right. Thanks for listening and happy hiking out there.